Hi, welcome back to the third uh, in a series that we're teaching that I've called Foundations. Uh, the first week we looked at two big words, theology and anthropology, which is basically what we say about God and what we say about man. And what we believe to be true about God and believe to be true about man has a lot to do with everything, how we live our lives, how we treat one another, uh, all of those things that are important to us uh, as human beings. And then we talked about how in also the, that week that we had a created purpose and God made that purpose known when he said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. The second week, we talked about God's character. Uh, knowing him is paramount. We talked about how Paul said he gave up everything so he could know God and walk with him by faith. Because in reality, we don't trust someone we don't know. And righteous living or walking by faith and coming to maturity then becomes a, a side effect, if you will, of knowing the one who is completely trustworthy and trusting him to the point that our life reflects his will, his desire in any situation where we find ourselves. It's, um, it's a really simple equation. I know a lot of things in life to me seem to make it complicated. And I believe that um, in the scripture where it says, um, I'm concerned that as a serpent deceived Eve, that you've been moved away from the simplicity and your purity of your devotion to Christ, um, there's a, those two things. Uh, the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ, well, something's not simple, it's complicated. And generally, when we contaminate truth with things that are not true, it turns out making life and our relationship with God and relationship with other people really complicated. Trying to make something work is actually based on a false system. So it's important that we know the truth that will set us free. A lot of scriptures in there that I'm not going to post on the screen, but um, they're there. And so this week, we're going to look at the sin problem. Uh, why so early in the series? Well, sin occurred very early in man's existence, right there in the Garden of Eden. And we talked last week how uh, Satan was able to trick Adam and Eve into sinning um, by getting them to trust a view of God that was not true and dis discredit God's word and believe things about themselves that wasn't true. You know, when he said, you know, has God said, you shall not from eat from any of these trees? And Eve said, well, we can eat from any of them except that one. We're not to eat from it or even touch it lest we die. And then Satan said, well, you won't die for God knows in the day you eat thereof, you become like God knowing good and evil. And so, hmm. In those short phrases, what he said was, God isn't who you think he was. He lied to you. He's holding out on you. He didn't finish what he started when he said he's making you in his image. And he said he finished on the sixth day. Uh, so it's up to you to finish the, the, yourself. And what you need to do is the one thing God won't let you do, which is eat from that tree over there. And so distorting God's image and reinterpreting his word leads us to make life decisions that are destructive and really complicates life, trying to make it all work with information that is ultimately flawed lies. Okay, so the sin problem started there, but here's the deal. <clears throat> I think I lived a lot of my Christian life, uh, which is 60 years now, excuse me, 
50 years now. Um, no, 60 years now, actually. <laughs> um, I lived about the first half of it um, believing that God did part and part of it was up to me. And somehow or other, um, salvation through Christ was like plan B. God had to come up with a plan to fix our problem that, that he didn't expect. Okay. Now, God didn't need sin, but he certainly saw it coming. Uh, in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21, it says this, knowing that you were redeemed with, excuse me, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So that the sin problem was known before the foundation of the world. Before God ever said, let there be light, he knew there was going to be a sin problem when he got around to creating man in his image. And a problem that he was going to have to deal with. I thought about that one time as being like, if I was to take off, which I would love to do, is go somewhere to the mountains. And over the years, we typically went to the North Carolina mountains, up in the Smokies. And um, let's say I knew that on this particular trip, somewhere in Tennessee, we were going to have a flat tire. Well, what I would do is make sure that the, that the spare tire was in the vehicle, inflated, and ready to go. Okay, I would plan ahead for things I knew was going to happen. So before God ever said, let there be light, he knew there was going to be a sin problem, a flat tire, something that would stop, seemingly, his purpose for man. So before he ever started building man, he made provision in his mind by deciding that the lamb who was slain, foreknown before the foundation of the world, was, was in the equation. So the crucifixion is not an afterthought. It's not let's clean up a mess that we didn't expect kind of situation. It was known that in order to finish what he started, he was going to have to sacrifice his life on the cross for you and I. You know, the Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He didn't send Jesus off to do it by himself. He was right there with him. All right, so God knew about this sin problem. He made provision for it. And uh, another way you can look at this is God counted the cost. You know, in Luke 14, 23, it says, For which of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. You know, God wouldn't give us that kind of advice if he didn't live that way himself. He counted the cost long before he ever started. Nothing takes God by surprise. Does that mean he wanted us to sin? I don't believe so. I believe he wants us to live righteously and reflect his character at all times. And he's always wanted that. But he knew that in our immaturity and um, faced with the deceitfulness of the great liar, the great deceiver, that we would be faked out. That Adam and Eve would be tricked. You know, we're not to be ignorant of the devil's schemes, the Bible said. He's a tricky dude. 
and he's really good at it. But Christ's blood is bigger than the tricks of the devil. And so nothing takes God by surprise. And so this isn't a cleanup effort for um, a problem God never saw coming. Uh, sin, now what is sin? We, we've thought about that probably over our lives. Is it this or that or this thing I did or that lie I told or whatever? Certainly those are sins, but what is sin? Sin itself, I believe, is faithlessness. In Romans uh, 14, 23, it says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Okay, well, that's a broad statement. Uh, faith in what? Well, in the context of the scripture, it's always faith in God, trusting him. That's why the devil's first priority back in the garden was to get Adam and Eve to put God in an untrustworthy category in their mind. We can't really trust him, okay? And because they didn't trust him, they didn't follow his instructions concerning this tree. They chose a different path that seemed, you know, she saw that it was good for food and delight to the eyes and desirable to make you wise. Some of that's all wrong, but that's what she thought in her mind. And so she took from the tree, from the fruit, and she ate of it and gave to her husband with her. And he ate. So there was this problem of not trusting God and uh, what he said and his character. And so sin is always the result of not trusting the character of God and what he says in his word, the things he says to us, not only in the written scripture, but also by the Holy Spirit who lives within and who's there to guide us into all truth, the Bible says. Uh, trusting other ideas other than God's ideas. You know, there's, there's a lot of ideas in the world about how to live and what's right and what's wrong. Uh, it's very common for me to hear statements throughout life, uh, especially in the counseling ministry that I've been in, of, well, I know it's wrong, but, and then you hear the reasons the person has come up with why in this circumstance, it's right. So I know it's wrong, but it's actually right. Well, it's either wrong or it's right. It's not both. Okay, so uh, those ideas that we get from the world, situational ethics, well, it's wrong over there, but not wrong over here. It's wrong to lie over there, but not over here. And, you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways we could look at this. But ideas that cause us to trust the world system, uh, our own reasonings, which are not perfect yet. Um, Madison Avenue, advertising, um, the people who want to sell you something. They have ideas about why you should buy that and go into debt more than you can afford to pay back, and so on and so forth. And you wind up in trouble uh, financially in those cases. And so trusting ideas other than God's is ultimately what sin is. Uh, God is always true. The Bible says even though every man may be found a liar, God will always be found true. Uh, his ways are truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And truth is a person. Um, Life is a person. Grace is a person. Is all, all that points to Jesus, who shows us the very nature and the character of God, who is true, who is gracious, who is life. Okay, so I've already touched on this, but was sin necessary then? No, I don't believe so. Uh, was it Did it happen? Yes. Did God know it was going to happen? Yes. 
God never needs evil, I don't believe, to accomplish good, but he certainly is not daunted by the presence of evil. Um, the Bible says that, that evil was found in Satan uh, early on, that he, uh, and God didn't create him, as some might believe, that to be an evil being, but he chose that. You know, he gave us those abilities to choose. He just didn't give us the ability to choose the consequences of our choices, but he gave us the ability, I believe, to choose. In Isaiah uh, 46, 9 through 10, it says, Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. From ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish my good pleasure. All right, what is his purpose for us? To be in his image. Is he going to accomplish that? Absolutely. The Bible says he that began a good work in you will bring it to completion. We are his workmanship. Great ideas we'll talk about quite a bit later on in the series. And so God is doing something. He's not daunted by the, uh, the problems that arise along the way, like sin, or the destructive things that happen to us, the choices that nations make, that um, physical maladies bring on us, uh, false teachings around the world uh, concerning God and who is God, and where the, is there only one way to heaven or are there many ways to heaven, and all those kind of ideas. You know, modern uh, schools of thought that are trying to debunk the wisdom of the scriptures and the leading of the Holy Spirit and things that don't make human sense. Uh, a lot of what God says don't, doesn't make sense to us because he lives in a bigger realm and he's above all of this down here and he wants us to live as we're above it because we are. The Bible says we're seated with him in heavenly places. You know, in Romans 8, 28 and 29, a verse that um, most of us uh, know, I'm going to make a bold statement about that scripture, that the uh, God uses our very sin problem um, to display his character. You say, well, what, what in the world could that possibly mean? Well, Romans 8, 28 and 29 goes like this. We know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined that they be conformed to the image of his son, that, so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. All right, so he's using all things to work together for good. For those of us who are saved, called according to his purpose. And he knew this beforehand, and he's, he has decided beforehand that we will be conformed to his image, so that we'll be like Christ. It's just a simple statement, all right? So well, how could this sin problem help with that? In contrast to sin, faithlessness on our part. You know, the Bible says when we are faithless, he remains faithful. When we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? Because that's his character. So he remains faithful to us as humans, even though we time to, at times tend to be faithless towards him. And why are we faithless? Why don't we trust him? We don't know him. Well, that's still a problem I struggle with and you struggle with that. Uh, that uh, in certain situations, because we don't know the character of God yet to the point that we trust him so implicitly that 
impeccably that we would uh, do whatever he wants us to do, even though it looks like not a good thing to do for us, um, might be destructive or hurtful to us. You know, Jesus knew the crucifixion would be hard on him, but he said, not my will, but your will be done. And why would he do that? Because he knew his father. He knew he could trust his father, but his father's will was good. Now, now, bear with me on this. I want you to listen to an illustration, and I'm finished with this. We have experienced commonly in our lives, every day, sometimes every moment of every day, the use of destructive forces for good purposes. For instance, explosions. We've all seen the, the result of explosions at 9-11 or, or the Murrah Building bombing in Oklahoma City. Um, wow, what destructive forces. But every time I get in my car and drive somewhere, or my truck or motorcycle or whatever, I get there because of explosions. There are rapid, violent explosions going on many, many times a minute, sometimes a second, inside that internal combustion engine. So that explosive force of gasoline exploding, have you ever seen those you know, videos of a car exploding when the gas tank blows up? Well, in a small way, those explosions are harnessed inside that engine and it's pushing that piston up and down, which turns the drive shaft, which eventually winds up turning the wheels in the back of my vehicle and off we go. Okay, so we harness that destructive force. Electricity, man, that stuff will kill you. But we have lights on. We run our electric power equipment, um, electric cooktops, microwave ovens. We harness electricity, a very destructive force, and use it for productive purposes. And there's, you could go on and on with things like that. Okay, so what does that mean for us? God knew this force was coming. Wind. I've been through hurricanes. We've been through tornadoes here in, in Oklahoma, right? And so if you go out western Oklahoma, a lot of places, we see these great big windmills. We're harnessing wind and turning it into electricity, which powers our stuff. Okay, so God saw this destructive force coming. And he knew, okay, I am bigger than the destructive force of sin. So I'm going to catch that force that is meant to destroy us and harness it and channel it into, if you will, something that will be the ultimate good for all mankind. Now, did God need evil to make himself good? No, he just is good. In fact, he's so good, evil cannot overcome him. All right, you can throw anything at him, and he's able to take that. You know, Joseph said when his brothers sold him into slavery, you meant evil against me, but God meant good so that many people would be kept alive. So God took the destructive force of wicked, self-centered um, actions of his older brothers who threw him in a pit. They were planning to kill him. They wind up selling him into slavery. He goes off to Egypt. He's lied about, thrown in prison, and everything else, but eventually he winds up the second in command under probably the most powerful man on earth, the Pharaoh of Egypt, and through that position that he held, he was able to lay back enough food to save all the people of Egypt and his own countrymen who came down to live with him in Egypt. 
So God foresaw the evil that was coming. He said, I can use that. I will harness that evil and I will use it to do something to not only preserve people, but I will display my glory through that. Did he need it? No. Did he use it? Absolutely. And sin is no different. Did he need it? I don't believe so. Did he see it coming? Yes, he did. Was he bigger than sin? Absolutely. Um, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All right, so we have a sin problem, but God's on the job. He saw it coming. He's provided a remedy, and we'll talk a lot more about the remedies and how it works on a daily basis in the future. But don't be daunted by the presence and the power of sin because the presence and the power of God is much bigger to take that and harness it and turn it into something good. Do we need to continue to sin? The Bible says what? Do we sin that grace might increase, may it never be? How shall we who have died to sin still walk in it? So we're not here to continue sinning in order to show how good God's grace and power is. He's actually given us his grace and power to overcome sin and not walk in it anymore. God bless you. I enjoyed doing this. We'll see you next week. And let's end with a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your greatness, for your glory, for your power, for your character that never changes, that nothing can come our way that's bigger than you. And you will use everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, to bring us to greater dependence upon you so that we'll walk with you by faith and let you display your character through us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.